Welcome to the Building Wealth Through Commercial Real Estate Podcast, where we will discuss with industry experts on how to create wealth and build passive income from apartment buildings, self-storage, mobile home parks, and much more. Here is your host, Jonathan Way. Welcome to the Building Wealth Through Commercial Real Estate Podcast. I'm your host, Jonathan Way, and I'm the founder of Grayson Capital Group, my investment firm. If you're interested in passively investing with us, please visit graystonecapgroup.com and join our investor network. Okay, and now on to the show. Hello, Jeff. Thank you for coming on the show. Happy to be here. Great, great. I would like to know, can you tell us about your background, how you got started multifamily investing? Sure, sure. Like a lot of people, I started off uh, buying houses that I was living in, then turning them into rentals once I moved. Uh, I got into the multifamily business, uh, really just I went to law school and uh, during all of my workouts and all my commutes, I was just listening to podcasts, educating myself, got to the point where it really made a lot of sense to me, jumped in on my first multifamily deal, which was a 16 unit that I purchased uh, on my own using some creative financing. And uh, the, the deal went so well that I, I realized that I had spent significantly less time and less money on the 16 unit multifamily than I did on a lot of the single family homes I had been previously owning and managing. And I vowed at that point to never buy a single family home again and to pursue this path. Wow, great, great. So you're um, a great example if you're who's motivated to listen to a podcast like Michael Blanc's. And, sure. uh, and then you learn about multifamily and you want to get in the game, which is great. You take action. That's very important, right? Michael Blanc always says, take action, right? That's what that's yeah, he says. That couldn't be more true in that law of the first deal. like. Could yes. not agree with that more. Yes. And then you, um, I think it was the second deal, the Oklahoma deal in Taylor Ridge. Is that correct? Uh, correct. Yeah. So the second deal, uh, I sold the 16 unit. After I owned it for about 18 months, uh, sold it, did pretty well with it, and then executed a 1031 exchange into uh, a 54 unit that I bought with a partner. And then I also used some of the 1031 money and bought a triplex just with cash, sort of as a, a hedge just to guarantee some uh, monthly cash flow. So first time I ever bought a property with all cash and it was a great feeling to know that I, and that, that triplex, I paid 150 for that and it brings in about $2,500 a month in rent. Great. And that's a great, uh, a great source of monthly income that just gave me more, it, it made me more comfortable investing in a larger deal like the 54 unit, knowing that I had that additional source of revenue uh, in addition to my my day job. Great. And is that also Oklahoma City or a different area that tribe? Uh, the triplex is in Daytona Beach, Florida. So different area. Oh, okay. But so that's, really the that's, big the big jump was from the 16 to the 54. But I've always been one of these people that tries to hedge uh, in okay. every with every investment to sort of mitigate exposure and risk. And so the triplex was my the hedge play there. Well that's very smart. I really it's very interesting because no one usually does they do multifamily go big. They don't do a hedge. That's very interesting. Your your story is very interesting. And I like that idea. Because the triplex in Daytona Beach is small. Is it like a more vacation rental town? Or how do you feel with the Daytona Beach? Um, so the tri- I'm not renting any of them out as vacation rentals. So I'm renting them all on year leases. Um, okay. It's certainly a, a tourism driven city for mm-hmm. sure. Um, but I mean, it has industry. It has a lot of year round residents. So I'm not using it as a vacation rental. Um, okay. Yeah, it's really just more of a more of a cash flow play. Okay, great, great. And is the taxes low in Florida for the property tax? Taxes are low. Insurance is high because of hurricanes, as you could imagine. Oh yes, because you're near the beach, right? You're close to the yeah, beach. Yeah, very close to the high. beach. 
Okay. Okay. Great. That's very interesting, Jeff. I learned something new from you. You're the first person I think I ever met on my cup podcast as you hedge and you buy a triplex and a 54 <laughs> unit. It's very smart. You're a very smart man, Jeff. I have to admit oh, that. Thanks. Uh, so, so now you and your partner, I guess. So what was your vision for this 54 unit? What do you want to do? Right. So uh, we went into it looking for value add. Um, when we purchased it, the building was at 60% occupancy, out of town or out of state ownership. They had the on-site property management and maintenance person that lived there. Um, and that really had just over a period of time driven the property into the ground. A lot of bad tenants. Um, they, they weren't keep, you know, you, you see when you buy from mom and pop, sometimes you might have experienced this, that a lot of times they keep occupancy very high because they charge below market rents and they just don't want to deal with the turnover. This was like neither of those things. They had below market rents. They had crazy low occupancy. They had deferred maintenance. Wow. Um, so we saw it as an opportunity. We bought it 30, about 33,000 a door, which you know made me feel very comfortable knowing that market rents for the one and two bedrooms are six and $700, give or yes. take yes. in that area. So like the numbers made sense to me. And also, I just know from my own experience, right, when you have a concrete block building, if I need to gut renovate all 54 of those units, I could probably do it for about six grand per unit. So I felt very comfortable that, you know, we could turn this property around. COVID hit, that complicated things. And uh, we had some issues with our initial property management team that slowed down our stabilization and our turnaround of the property. But we've, we're working through those. And, and how do you deal with? COVID-19 and there's no payment of rent. How do you tell you deal with that? Yeah, that was interesting. So we, uh, we both approached it from a, I'd say like a humanitarian perspective. We made very uh, clear instructions to the property management team that we don't want to, uh, you know, come down harsh on people. And, and this was even before, I think, the eviction moratorium. Our mm-hmm. policy was just, we are, we are not going to throw people out when, they have uh, this hardship during a pandemic. So we came up with some incentive programs to lower rent for folks that were able to pay a month or two in advance. You know, we worked with people individually on a one-to-one basis. And then once all of the relief and the stimulus got rolling, we made a concerted effort to advertise those programs, those programs to the tenants. So in many cases, right, um, we would have to give a tenant notice that they were delinquent and then convince them to actually show up at court where they could get enrolled into a program that would then cover their rent and pay their rent through the end of the year. Yes. A lot of, lot of people you know, uh, are hesitant to show up at any sort of court proceeding. Yes. So we were just trying to educate folks on what the options were for them that could be a win-win for both of us. Yes. And we, and we had, we certainly had some success with using the, I think the, in Oklahoma city, it's the community cares program that was yes. tapping into yes. some of the, uh, the state and yes. federal funds. Yes, yes, yes. We do that too. We, we advertise, we knock on the door and say, listen, if you're impacted by COVID, you can give us a letter and then we can get the CARES Act to help you or some kind of tribe or something to help you. And then, and some people do not, are not willing to, to come forward. Then those are what we evict because when you evict them, they bring them to court and the judge will say, you got to fill out the form of the iPad. You got to do this. And mm-hmm. that's how you get them to sign up effectively. Right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, yeah, we actually had some pretty decent success with that mm-hmm. uh, and getting getting that caught up. I think, and I think you might agree, this was, this pandemic has really tested our beliefs about C-class properties, 
you know, normally I would say C-class properties are historically, you know, recession resistant, but to have this sort of once in a lifetime scenario where it is those blue collar workers who are the ones that are being laid off in the service industry and that are in the most dire need, a little bit different than your run of the mill recession. And I think the fact that, yeah, we had some slim months, especially given our, you know, aforementioned property management troubles, we had some slim months, but, you know, thank God we were able to, to stay afloat. We were able to ride out the storm and weather the storm amidst mm-hmm. a lot of uncertainty. I mean, we bought the property seven months before COVID, right? So we bought it in August yeah. and COVID happened in February. Yes. Yeah. You know, I think it's, I think it's a stable asset as long as you have good property management and, um, and you advertise about these programs and you do the evict people who don't, who don't want to come, want to want to listen, then you get some results and you, you'll be okay. Multifamily, you'll be okay. Yeah, then, I, yeah. That, it, that definitely, uh, I was very bullish on multifamily before, and now yeah. I think even more, even more so. Okay, okay, great, great. Yeah, I think it's a great asset class. I mean, I love multifamily, um, and I also do another asset class, self-storage, which I also love as well. Yeah, and I would love to pick your brain on that at some point. Um, sure, it might be sure. a conversation for another day, your, 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 your podcast, but I think that's very intriguing that you're, you're into that as well. Sure. My, me and my partner, well, we, we created a, um, a SDA, kind of like a mic, um, sort of like a, a, a analyzer. So you're welcome to look at it, browse at it. It's, uh, we're offering at a, um, a great uh, uh, rate. So if you're interested, uh, you can go on our website and check it out and we'll go talk more about, more about that. Okay, great. I'll send you the link after this. Okay, great. So, um, we'll look, so, so in your situation, you have, so you have the second property. Now you're trying to execute your vision. Mm-hmm. And you're trying to um, enhance it now. So, how's Taylor Ridge? Are you on your know, path path going forward now? How's Taylor Ridge? Yeah, it's a great question. So, we started out at 60% occupancy and a lot of deferred maintenance. We've caught up on a lot of the deferred maintenance, and now we are going over 90% occupancy in two days. On Thursday, we're going to be at 92% occupancy. Uh, we have a move in, and I think that it's probably the first time I would guess in maybe 10 years that this property has been over 90% occupied. Um, wow. So it's a nice, it's a nice milestone to hit that. And you know, the significance of the 90% um, yes. for various reasons, it's a, a great milestone to hit. So um, along the way, I did buy out my partner who I initially did the deal with. Yes. And I, I think f- for a number of reasons, we're in different you know, phases of our life. He was very concerned about having that solid cash flow, And because of COVID and the, the property management issues, the property hadn't been generating the kind of cash flow that we had anticipated right. off the bat. Um, and I was able to, you know, reward him and pay him for the, the time that he spent in the deal, the money he put into the deal. Um, and he is now holding a note and collecting interest only payments for me until I execute a refi. I didn't really, I don't, don't require the, uh, the monthly cash flow at this point in my life. And I'm really in this for the the value add and whatever that payout's going to be in the next mm-hmm. year if we do a refi or the next three or four years if we decide right. to sell. So mm-hmm. I, I still you know believe in the property, believe in the vision. Uh, was able to you know compensate him, and then I think I'll be realizing a lot more of the upside myself going forward, which is and certainly fine with me. Great. So are you profitable now, or are you still breaking even, losing money? Where you're at right now? Uh, yes. Yeah, so actually we, we've had a profitable month. We, we largely broke even most of the time. 
Um, I would say most of the months we were breaking even. Uh, as far as NOI goes, we of the last 12 months, we probably had six months where NOI was in the black, but we were just still dumping CapEx into the property. So, um, yes. you know, from a cash flow perspective, we weren't cash flowing because we were just dumping CapEx money into the property, um, which, which was part of the plan. Yeah. And what kind of capital improvements, major ones that you did to Taylor Ridge? Um, when so far we did some windows, we did, we renovated a laundry room, we renovated the office, we had um, some significant damage down units right off the bat. So when we took yeah. over the property, there were four fire units and a flood unit. And wow. so those five units had to get totally uh, ground up restorations. Um, and then other than that, there was a lot, of, it was more, a lot of deferred maintenance with HVAC, plumbing, and, um, and like on-site maintenance. Yeah. I believe there was two Brown. two fires, right? Was it two fires in Taylor Ridge? Was it one fire or two fires? Um, I know that the two definitively because one building at one point had been entirely rebuilt. So the property consists of a number of, uh, call it like eight to 12 unit buildings okay. that make up the 54. So one of those buildings is entirely brand new, renovated. And that has like a fire main and is more up to code because the entire building okay. got redone. In another building, there was a smaller fire that had taken out two units. And right. so there were those two units and then some flood units mm -hmm. uh, that were the, the down units when we took over the property. Right. So I guess the concern is your insurance premium because they see so many fires, so many, you know, right. I guess. So how, is it really expensive, your premium for this insurance? Yeah, it, it is expensive in my book. Yeah. This is my, my first property in Oklahoma. So I didn't have two. I mean, we certainly shopped around, yeah. but didn't have too much like relative experience as to what a 54 unit would otherwise be. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, okay. But it, yeah, I, I certainly, I certainly consider it expensive. My other yeah. property is in Florida. My other multifamily is in Florida though. And that it's, it's not that far out of line with what I pay for, you know, proportionally for a triplex mm -hmm. with the wind insurance and all, everything I need in Florida with what yeah. I'm paying in Oklahoma city for a 54 unit. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Great. Great. And uh, great. So I guess uh, you're going to value add it and hopefully some point do a capital transaction, refinance or sell it in a, in a near maybe one year or so, right? Hopefully that will get you exit strategy. Yeah, I think that's exactly right. Uh, we, the property is bringing in only about $16,000 a month when we took over. And right now, you know, we're up in like the $24,000, $25,000 a month in revenue. So that, that number has steadily increased as occupancy has increased. And, uh, you know, we think that we're going to be eclipsing $30,000 a month in revenue for the property within the next three to six months. Okay. And your new management is doing a good job. Are you happy with them so far? Yeah. So, so far, very, very, very pleased. Okay, great. And, and uh, great. So you bring in occupancy, delinquency. And uh, so the key is, is property manager. You need a good property manager. Otherwise, this thing will be going downhill. Your, this whole shit, Yeah, so. you, you, you said it. I mean, make yeah. or break. And I think I think with some of the CARES Act payments we received the last couple months under the old property management, that really helped us, uh, you know, frankly, fill in some gaps where it was going to be tough because the property management wasn't doing a good job keeping up with delinquencies and getting new people in the door and, and doing that sort of thing. So in, in a weird, perverse way, some of the CARES Act assistance wound up kind of being a bridge for us until we could make this change. And frankly, COVID also is part, part of the reason we didn't fire the property manager sooner though, conversely, was because of COVID. 
you know, being out of state, we weren't, I, I had work restrictions that prevented me from traveling. Okay. Um, and so I was physically not allowed to leave and go to certain states, Oklahoma being one of them. Oh. Um, so I think we gave, and we gave the property management team a little bit more leeway because we weren't there. And because we were like, you know, this is a really tough situation for any property management team. So we gave them extra bandwidth to, or, you know, e- extra um, benefit of the doubt when in fact, like we should have made, made the change months sooner. Yeah. Yeah. I think um, the early signs of a bad manager is when they're not turning it around quick enough. Um, when you tell them they don't listen to you. Um, when they say that they're trying to say things to you to, to make you happy, but in reality it's not happening. Right. Like for example, oh, Jeff is, is doing great. We're getting people in. We're getting rents up. You know, they say all these things that make you happy. But in reality, you're looking at like, wait, this is still a stalemate. This is not going the way I want it to be. And you, that's the trouble sign that you know that they're lying to you or something. They must, they must either lie to you or that they're trying to play you, right. you know, for yeah. a fool. So, so that, that's the issue. So you're going to have to, you know, unfortunately, you know, do the hard move and find someone good property and transfer them out of there. So. Yeah, that, that was exactly our experience, you know, and we just weren't getting the answers that we needed. We'd have like uh, bi-weekly phone calls or bi-monthly phone calls. We'd have questions. We would get a wishy-washy answer. There would be a lack of follow-up, you know, a few days or a few weeks later, we'd follow up. It was just, there was always some excuse that was a, oh, we're still waiting on X, Y, and Z. And X, Y, and Z was always to blame. And they just weren't getting things done. Yeah, and again, yeah, we gave so. we gave them too much benefit of the doubt, and then ultimately it was just okay. It's time, you know. It's yeah. we got to make the yeah. switch. Yep, yep, yep. That's that's the that's the what I call the always the rookie mistake. You, you first time doing it, that's that's what happens. What happens is you try to trust them and try to you think that you can change them and 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 you know change the, the behavior, but in reality they could they could not. And then it, it takes so much time. You get you know that that's the that's the, yeah. that's how you that's how you learn you know that's how you learn anything yeah, yeah. So. it's disappointing right because it's these people the people that we use were highly recommended you yes. know we looked yeah. into their track record they seemingly had a pretty good track record in other markets and a, a a more recent track record in oklahoma that seemed like it checked out um you know they said all the right things they were they gave us a great deal like they helped us with the due diligence for the property Yep. And gave us like a, a very discounted rate on any of the due diligence services because we signed a contract with them, yep. and we were impressed right out of the ba- right out of the gate. But then, um, man, yeah, they just didn't deliver. Yeah, so that's the yeah, so that's and they're very reputable too in Dallas. They're very reputable. These three firms that mm-hmm. we talk about are very reputable here. So, well, okay, great, Jeff. Well, I think um, thank you very much for sharing your story. I think it was a great insight on Taylor Ridge and your journey in, in, in your multifamily. I'm very happy for you. And please let me know, you know, help me help each other out. We do a deal. We can help each other out. Yeah. Okay. Likewise. I'm interested to continue to learn about what you're doing out there. It sounds exciting. It sounds like you've got a couple deals under your belt. So looking forward yeah. to listening to more of your podcasts and uh, learning, learning from you and that you paved the road a little bit for me. Sounds good. Thank you. Thank you very much, uh, Jeff. Appreciate it. All right. Great talking to you. Thanks for listening. For more information, you can find us online at www.graystonecapgroup.com. Check back weekly for new episodes. See you again next time.